0: But it's a good day. Um, My name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm really glad you decided to show up. Uh, I I think Easter is a good day to show up because it is the day that we celebrate that Jesus did not stay in the grave, that He is alive. So so this is a good day. Can, Can we just all agree with that, that this is a good day? Amen. Now, anyone have some Easter traditions? Anybody? Other, you know, ham, okay, yeah, ham. Anyone ever do the Easter egg, like hard-boiled egg kind of thing? Anyone do that growing up as a kid? So, I know it's not that popular these days, but that was one of the memories growing up as a kid, we would hard-boiled eggs. So, maybe you've seen this before. Um, Let's see, so, we have, like, the blue one, anyone have a favorite egg, pink one, Does anyone remember if you put the same egg in all of the colors, what happened? Gray. (laughs) But uh, Easter, we would wake up and we would... um, All of a sudden, the eggs were gone. The carton was empty and somebody had hid the eggs. Anyone have this tradition growing up as a kid? So somebody had hid the eggs. And so we as kids, we had the empty carton. And you'd either be in the house or if the weather was nice enough, you'd go outside and you'd find the eggs. And It was a lot of fun, and, and again, uh, this this was different than uh, we do nowadays Easter egg hunts. Maybe you went to one. We w- we did one last Saturday. I- I'm trying not to knock the the current modern day Easter egg hunt, but let's be honest. Is that really a hunt? I mean, what I'd call that is chaos. Uh, one, you know, a hundred kids all running at the same time trying to find some plastic eggs with candy. Okay, so I sound really old and grumpy. So that's that's it. I'm going to move on from that, but. But for us, it was truly a hunt, like when I was a kid, right? It was a truly hunt. And and whoever was hiding those eggs, whoever it was, they were really good. Like, they were pro. They were a professional egg hider because one year, you know where this story is going, one year we could not find one of the eggs. But no worry. Like, we weren't even stressed about it because though we could not see the egg, eventually we would smell it. And you can imagine several days later, several days later, just wafting through the family room, a very distinctive aroma, and we tracked it. We did some investigation, and sure enough, underneath the ping-pong table, somebody had very cleverly and sneakily hid that egg. But I'll tell you, for the most part, we were actually pretty good at uh, finding eggs, and which made me laugh, and you probably already saw it, but it made me laugh when I saw this meme. Go ahead and put it back up on the, the screen. Easter egg hunts, proof your child can find things when they really want to. The gig is up. Addie and Ava, wherever they might be. Around here we call Easter Resurrection Sunday. Have you heard that yet today? Some some people like to call it Resurrection Sunday. And that's because, again, as a follower of Jesus, I celebrate that today I know, I believe, I have confidence that Jesus raised from the dead. Do you believe that? And often on an Easter service or Easter celebration, you'll, you'll hear the preacher say, He is risen, and then everyone else says... He is risen indeed. So let's give that a shot. That was actually pretty good for the first try. But he is risen. Wow. Man. So good. So it's the best day ever, right? Best day ever. Jesus died on the cross. He died for our sins. Praise the Lord. Right? The Bible says wages of sin is death. That's what we had going for us. And yet Jesus came in. He paid the penalty for our sin. Died for our sins. But then three days later, he proves... That he really is who he said that he is. He's fully man, fully God, perfect in all his ways. And even death couldn't hold him down. So again, that's why today is so incredible. Because we believe, we have confidence that Jesus is alive. In fact, in scripture, Jesus as the resurrected Lord, he actually says this. In Revelation chapter 1, listen to Jesus. These are his words. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold now... I am alive forever and ever. Is there some good news in the house today? It gets better because also in scripture it tells us that the same spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead it lives in you. If you've professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same spirit of God living in you. Anybody encouraged by that this morning? So again, if you believe in Jesus, if you commit to following Him, you're never going to know another day, another moment, another second without the love and the life that He offers through His death and resurrection. Now, one of the ways we celebrate all this is through baptism. We have the baptism set up today, and you identify with Jesus' death as you go in the water, but if the person baptizing you isn't, like, really mean, eventually they'll let you come back up, right? And i got to be honest, there's a few people I've held under, you know, a couple more seconds. But just to make sure it takes, you know what I mean? But y- you go into the water. But I love baptism. Anyone remember their baptism? I was baptized when I was 18. Did it just changed my life. I radically changed my life because I said, I'm identifying with your death. But then you burst forth out of that watery grave, right? You don't stay in the water. And, and it's just this declaration that says, you know what? Death couldn't hold down Jesus And death can't hold me down either. And if he is alive, I am alive. Praise the Lord. By the way, uh, if you want to get baptized today, uh, at the end of service, we're going to have baptisms. We'd love for you to get baptized. So Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. It's amazing. That's why everybody looks so happy today. It's not just the donut wall, though. I do love a good donut wall. But we're happy because, I mean, a lot of things have been going on. And I, I don't even probably know your story, but by just saying that, over the last year, the last two years, we all know you've been walking through some hard things, some, some challenges, and yet there's just something about coming. I, I even felt it this morning. I woke up way too early. But, but I just, it was, it was just like, you know what, Jesus, because you actually did what you said you'd do. Yeah, in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the craziness, maybe you know what I'm talking about. There's just kind of like this smile that gets on your face. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Understand. I got questions. I, I mean, there's challenges, but, but Jesus, oh, but Jesus, how I love you, Jesus, because in the midst of everything, I know that you're alive. And if you're alive, then I'm alive, and I'm alive forever. What a day! Well, if you had received any of our flyers, we, we, we tried to really invite the community. If you're from the community, welcome. We're so happy you're here. We we wanted to celebrate with our neighbors and and with. The community around us So so we had some door hangers, flyers We had some banners out there And if you noticed, it said that Easter is for everyone And that means you We wrote it because we believe it And we believe that Jesus is for everyone And that does mean you Because I've been in full-time ministry now for 17 years and, And I've just noticed that a lot of people struggle with that A lot of people just struggle with the idea of like You know what? I've done too much Right? They discount themselves from God's love. They discount themselves from the life that Jesus offers. I, I, Pastor Dan, you don't know. I've done too much. I, I've said too much. I, I've thought too many negative thoughts. I've treated people too poorly. I, I'm just telling you that that happens to so many people that they're convinced that you've disqualified yourself from the love and the life that's found in Jesus. Man, if that is you, i got really good news. It's not about what you've done. Easter is all about what He has done. <laughs> yeah, that's worth a clap because, come on, there's, there's no one here who deserves, yeah, amen. There's no one here who deserves to have that relationship with Jesus based on some good things that they've done. No one. Not even the goody-two-shoe to your left or to your right. Like, no one. No one. You're still trying to think, well, you know, Mr. Thompson, he no, no one. There's a great line in the Bible that sums it up pretty well. All have sinned. Even Mr. Tushu. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, this is all about what He has done. While we were still sinners, another uh, uh, scripture says, this is how amazing God's love for us. He demonstrates that, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And again, He did it for everyone. That's what John 3.16 says. For this is how God loved the world, that He gave His only and, His one and only Son so that, say it with me, everyone... Who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. You know, I made some jokes earlier about, you know, finding the Easter eggs. But do you know who's really good at finding things? Jesus. Like, He's the best. Like, if you're feeling lost today, if you're feeling forsaken today, if you're feeling like nobody even knows you exist, I just got good news for you today. Jesus is on a rescue mission. He has come to find you. He even says with His own words that He has come to seek and to save the lost. That's what he does, that's who he is. Just hear the good news. You are not beyond the love, the grace, the mercy, and the life that God offers today. He came for everyone and that means you. Amen. I love the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. He calls the 12 disciples to follow him. And if you think about it, it's a pretty eclectic group. They they're very different from each other. You got Peter, he's this fisherman. Now a few of them were fishermen, but if you remember Peter, like He's aggressive. He, he's the kind of guy, always speaking his mind, lots of passion, quick to speak, or quick to act, <laughs> slow to you know, whatever. But then there's Thomas. I love Thomas. Well, oh, actually, poor Thomas. Forever and ever, he'll be known as Doubting Thomas. That's a tough nickname. But it's just because he asked a lot of questions. And then Simon the Zealot. Now, that's a pretty amazing name, Simon the Zealot. Now, he was probably called the zealot because he had this passion to kick out the Roman oppressors, right? The Roman occupiers. And he wanted the Jewish Messiah to come in and, and do that. But then you also have Matthew. Remember Matthew? Matthew, he's wildly different than the others, he's a tax collector. That wasn't like a real popular thing to be in a Jewish community. Think of it this way. A tax collector was working for the Roman government. So a Jewish person collecting taxes from his countrymen for the Roman occupiers. So probably not everyone's favorite person. And yet Jesus comes to all these men who have wildly different backgrounds. And he says to each one of them, follow me. Add to the mix Mary and Martha Joanna, Mary Magdalene, so many others with different stories, different backgrounds, and Jesus calls us the eclectic group. He says, follow me. Again, Jesus came for everybody. But then maybe you're like, yeah, I get it, Pastor Dan. I mean, sure, but everybody you mentioned so far is Jewish, and and it makes sense for a Jewish Messiah to come for the Jewish people. But read the Bible. I mean, read about Jesus. If you haven't read about Jesus, he's a fascinating read. He's an amazing person to read about because he comes in... And yes, he does come for the Jewish people, and there's some very important theological reasons why he does that. But then you begin, and it's fascinating to me, you begin to see Jesus do things amongst the non-Jewish people that even begins to surprise the Jewish people who are following him. You guys know these stories, right? They're very familiar stories. The, The Roman centurion, remember he had a servant who was sick in Luke 7, and Jesus heals his servant. Or the woman at the well. You guys know that story? The woman at the well, very uh, familiar story. She's a Samaritan. Now, Scripture says Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. In fact, Jewish people would take the long way around Samaria to avoid the Samaritans. And yet Jesus, he just comes straight in. And he looks her eye to eye, face to face. And, And I don't have time to go into the whole story, but if you remember, he offers her the living water. Right? The living water that comes from believing in him. So many stories like that. I think of the Syrophoenician woman, uh, her daughter who was healed. Again, story after story of where Jesus, just, and again, I think in a fascinating and powerful way, he opens up the eyes of those to, just to really understand wow, this guy came to seek and to save the lost, that he was on a rescue mission. But, church, you've got to hear this. Life Spring, it wasn't just to save a few people, it was to save the world. To save the world that whosoever believes in him will not perish but receive eternal everlasting life so that means men women young old jewish non-jewish me you he came for everyone I'm so glad you're here a good day. Now today is Resurrection Sunday where we celebrate Easter. And we're going to see after Jesus' death and resurrection this whole idea that Jesus came for everybody. It's going to go up a notch. But let's watch this video first and then we'll keep it going.
1: Amen. He is risen. That deserves a round of applause. Come on. That was amazing. Isn't that the truth right there? Hmm? What a thrill it is to be in the house of the Lord and how amazing is it to be here on Easter morning. You know it's better than being Irish on St. Patrick's Day or a child on Christmas morning or Tiger Woods at the Master's. Or a Zags fan this year at the NCAA tournament, hmm? I just had to go there. As for the Mariners, well, the season is early. This might be just be the year indeed, all right? <laughs> but it's so good to be here, amen? You know, it's Resurrection Sunday, and if we haven't met before, my name is Jesse. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Spring. so you've met... Myself, Pastor Dan, you heard Pastor Laura. Man, we have 11 pastors here. And I just say that to say that you need to get to meet each and every one of them. They will love you. They will pray for you. Get to meet them. All right? So my name is Jesse, and I'm one of the pastors here, and thank you for joining us today. You know, the great New Testament scholar C.H. Dodd said, the resurrection is the epicenter of belief. It is not a belief that grew up within the church. It is the belief around which the church itself grew up. Amen? And with that, let's keep this thing moving by looking at what Luke has to say about Easter morning. And I'll jump right into it. We'll be going really fast. So Jesus died at about 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. He was buried hardly because the Jewish Sabbath began at sundown. And no burial or any kind of work was permitted on the Sabbath. In fact, the burial was so hurried that there was no time to anoint the body with spices, as was the custom. And the first opportunity to do so was the following Sunday morning. So, therefore, early on Sunday morning, certain women from Galilee who had supported Jesus' ministry came to the tomb. Mary Magdalene was the leader. Now, the four gospel accounts of the resurrection differ slightly concerning the details, but that should not concern us. See, when I worked as a reporter and covered criminal trials, if four witnesses offered identical testimony, the four are suspected of collusion or conspiracy. But all four Gospels agree on the one vitally important fact of Easter this morning. The tomb was empty. And Jesus' dead body was literally, physically revived. And let me just say, the tomb of Confucius is occupied. The tomb of Buddha is occupied. The tomb of Mohammed is occupied. But the tomb of Jesus Christ, come on somebody. The tomb of Jesus Christ, it is empty. It is empty. Listen as Luke describes what happened. Two days later on Sunday, Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then... They remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. So the women... Discovered the empty tomb. The angels proclaimed the good news of the resurrection. The disciples were hard-pressed to believe, but then Peter saw the fabrics lying there, and he believed. He believed, and that's what draws us here today. We believe he is alive, and that makes all the difference in the world. The good news of the resurrection gives us hope for today and hope for the future. Amen? Let's continue reading in Luke 24. verse 36 it says while they were still talking about this jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace be with you they were startled and frightened thinking they had saw a ghost he said to them why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds look at my hands and my feet it is i myself touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see i have When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. The verses here at the end of the gospel are made up almost entirely of Jesus' words. And here, it's the risen Christ speaking. The crucifixion is past, and the reality of the resurrection has just burst in upon the startled disciples. Disciples. Amazement, joy, and wonder almost overwhelmed them as they see their crucified Master standing among them, risen and alive. The days immediately before and including the crucifixion had been difficult and puzzling for the disciples. It must have seemed to them that God's plans had failed and that Jesus' ministry among them had gone for naught. But Jesus shows them that all that has happened is a fulfillment of Scripture. Here's what verse 4 to 6 of Luke 24 says. It says, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Therefore, the entire story Luke has told has most significant consequences as we see. Jesus tells the disciples in verse 4 to 7, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at jerusalem so here is the good news people are offered an opportunity to repent and the gift of forgiveness is available to all peoples from jerusalem the message has and will continue to extend to the whole world Only now, Jesus lays the responsibility for spreading the message on the disciples themselves, since they are witnesses to the things which have been fulfilled among them. Amen? It's up to them to tell the good news. A daunting task indeed, but Jesus gives them a promise that they will receive a power far beyond their own strength. Here's how verses 48 and 49 puts it. He says, You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So they are to wait in faith and patience until it is time, according to God's schedule. And the scene then shifts its location and Jesus takes his disciples outside the city as far as Bethany and pronounces a benediction upon them. And Luke recounts in one single brief sentence one of the most mysterious scenes in the story of Jesus. Here it is, verse 51. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. This sentence should stir our interest and make us want to know more. And the symbolism here is clear. Jesus is now exalted to the highest place of power and authority. He shares the glory of God and His work on earth is completely vindicated. Completely vindicated. The disciples seem to have no sense of loss as Jesus leaves them. They worship Him and return with joy to to the temple in Jerusalem. And Luke completes his story, but not his book. Completes his story, but not his book. See, Luke cannot write the end on the last page. A much more appropriate phrase is to be continued. For the conclusion is open-ended, and Luke does not disappoint us. In Acts of the Apostles, he continues the story. There we find a fuller account of Jesus' ascension into heaven and we'll see that the disciples were really just getting started. They were really just getting started. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And this is exactly what the disciples did in the book of Acts. They went out and they preached the gospel and baptized people. Acts 1, 8 reads like this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, it wasn't long ago when Jesus had sent them out on a limited mission to teach about the coming of the kingdom, that he specifically told them not to go to the Gentiles or into the city of the Samaritans. But now he's telling them that they will be proclaiming the good news to all these peoples, to all of them. We see the promise of the coming power fulfilled when the Holy Spirit descends on the gathered company. On the day of Pentecost, we find many stories of the disciples fulfilling their role as witnesses to all nations. They moved from Jerusalem, the center of Judaism, to Rome, the center of the world of that day. And those who witnessed the day of Pentecost were amazed, but also confused. In Acts two thirty eight, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you continue reading, or as you continue reading, rather, we discover that about 3,000 people gladly received those instructions that day and were baptized into the early church. 3,000 people! That's a lot of people. And Peter boldly continues to preach the gospel of Jesus. The high priest, Sadducees, and the captain of the temple later arrest a couple of disciples for proclaiming Jesus' death burial and resurrection. However, by this time, Peter's message had reached a great number of these people and the church was now around 5,000 men strong, not including women and children. And the church continues to grow by leaps and bounds. As they grow, ministry opportunities grow and we encounter seven faithful men who are charged with looking after the widows in their community. And one of those appointed men was Stephen, and he performed the many signs and wonders. Scripture says he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was later stoned to death. But Stephen's stoning leads to another fulfillment of Jesus' statement in Acts 1-8, that they would be witnesses to him in all of Judea and Samaria. And in Acts 8, We meet a man named Philip who preached the good news and baptized both men and women in Acts 9 Saul wants to destroy the early church but Saul has no idea that his life was about to change he was blinded on the road to Damascus by the glory of God his name was changed to Paul and what a powerhouse he turned out to be for the early church in Acts 13 to 21 we see that Paul suffered many trials and tribulations during his period of ministry but despite these challenges He was involved in the growth of the church in Cyprus, Lycia, Asia, Macedonia, and Greece, just to name a few. And as we learn from history, by this time, there were over 10,000 Christians in Jerusalem. And so after his death and resurrection, the gospel continues to spread out into the community, spread out to the villages, spread out to the n- nearby cities and towns. And I can go on and on here, but I hope you get the drift of what's happening. Again, after Jesus' ascension, the gospel spreads like wildfire. But I want to take a few steps back and look at our next passage of Scripture for this morning. It comes from Acts ten twenty three to 48. Now we don't have time to read it, so I'll just give you a summary. It tells the story of the visit of the Apostle Peter to the house of the Roman soldier named Cornelius who is stationed with troops in the town of Caesarea, prompted by a vision of an angel who has urged him to summon Peter, Cornelius sends two of his servants to fetch the apostles. At the same time, Peter has been given this strange vision of a great white blanket let down from heaven, filled with unclean animals, and he has been commanded by the Lord to eat what is unclean. In other words, Peter, through this vision, learns that the good news of the gospel is not only for ritually pure Jews or for the faithful of Israel, but for all people everywhere. That is the realization with what Peter journeys to Cornelius' house, shares the gospel with his family. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and he further baptizes them in water to proclaim and celebrate their new birth in him. You know, you've heard it said earlier, this year we're celebrating Easter under the theme, Easter is for everyone. That means you. Friends, that is the message of this text from the book of Acts. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day of the week at dawn, and he thereby showed us that the wrong and the ruin in our world will not have the last word. God's is the last word. God's is the final victory. God's goodness, God's love is incarnated in Jesus Christ and God's plan for His universe cannot be defeated. Amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, you and I can live with a certain and joyful knowledge that His Rule over all will come. His rule over all will come. In fact, we can live this now with knowledge that God also can triumph over the sin and guilt that we know lurk in our hearts. And the message of our text shows us that it shows us that resurrection also means forgiveness. In the last sentence of Acts ten forty three, it says, Everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Does everyone who trusts in Jesus, everyone who trusts in Him, has a new beginning. The old is done away with. And behold, the new has come. We are given a fresh start and a new spirit who is the spirit of the living Christ working in us to make us into new persons, transforming us from the inside out. Amen? What an amazing morning to be in church. Friends, Jesus' resurrection was perfect. But every generation of disciples must keep practicing. The first generation of Christ's followers did not just face challenges, they faced them down and outfaced them. Therefore, for all who practice resurrection, the tomb is not just empty. In fact, the last thing is the tomb is not empty. It's not empty. The last thing in the tomb is is empty. No, the tomb is filled with the promise and possibilities of new life, of new faith. The tomb is really a womb. And in every tomb of destruction, disease, and death that may exist today, God wants to birth a new, vital, living faith that can overcome the powers of this world in each and every one of you. Because Easter is indeed for everyone. And that means you. We'll have a skit here in a moment. Let's close in prayer as they get prepared for this. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice, God. We thank you, Lord, that death was not the end of it, God. That we can still have life and victory over death eternally in you today. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Hey Joe, come up here and look. What is it? It's for you. Whoa, Doc, come here and take a look at this. <laughs>
1: what is it? It's, it's for, for you. you. No, seriously. What is it? It's love. No, it's hope. It's faith. No, it's redemption. It's a new beginning.
0: No, no, no. no. And yes, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is love. It is faith. It is hope. It is redemption. It's definitely a new beginning. It's all of those things and so much more. It doesn't matter who you are or who you've been. Accepting Jesus Christ into your life is the most important decision you will ever make. Yes. It's yours for the taking. It's a gift from God. And most importantly, It's for
1: you. So it's for you. That's a message we've been repeating here this morning. The blood. That was shed. It's for you. So I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord this morning. Or I don't know the things you're walking through this morning. But if you allow him, he's faithful to work in your life. He's faithful to bring those dead areas within you back to life again. And so with all heads bow at this time. If you haven't received the Lord or accepted the Lord as Savior of your life, or if you've not been in relationship with Him, and you feel that you need to rededicate your heart to Him this morning. If that's you, I'd ask that you just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I don't want to point you out. Right where you're sitting, just raise your hand and I will pray for you and with you. Amen. I see that. I see that now. I see that hand. Let's pray. And you can pray this with me as I say it. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice.
0: sacrifice.
1: Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. heart. Change me. me. Wash me. Make me clean. I surrender my life to you. And from this day onward, I want to testify of your resurrection power in my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, would you give them a round of applause? That is worth celebrating. Would you stand with me as we get ready to go into this song?